welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Morning, church. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday. Tomorrow we celebrate the national holiday, but in the church, the United Methodist Church, we celebrate today. And so we celebrate the work that he began among many others and that has continued today for the work of justice for black and brown Americans. Um, It actually extends beyond the globe now, which is needed. Justice and equality, equity is needed across the globe, and it's certainly needed in our community. Amen? It's tremendously good work. It's tremendously hard work for all of us in our humble effort to honor the work of Dr. King, the commitment to justice and peace. We're going to do a few things this morning. We're going to learn about Ascent Psalms, and then we're going to read one, and then we're going to reflect upon the call of truth in our lives, of unity and oneness, and then we're going to respond together using our bulletin in that beautiful red and blue section. We'll read a litany. Um, Are you ready? There are 15 Ascent Psalms, as in ascending, ascension, ascent. We're going to read the 14th. They begin in Psalm Psalm 120, and then they extend through Psalm 134. We're going to read Psalm 133, and, and it speaks of the ascension to Jerusalem, is what it speaks to. Ancient Psalms read by groups of people. Now, has anyone been to Jerusalem? Okay, well, I'll describe it. Uh, lots of hills around Jerusalem, so lots of big, big rolling hills. They call them mountains or mounts. We would call them knobs. They're about that size. Um, and they surround Jerusalem, and Jerusalem sits, of course, on a hill at the very top. And so they call it City on a Hill. But as you come to the area, you come over other hills, and so the view's blocked as you approach it until you get up over the last hill standing in the way, and then suddenly you see it before you, and then you drive down into the valley, and then you ascend up the mount to the top where the temple is. And as I got the extreme privilege to go in 2018 with my seminary, we spent two weeks traveling all around the country, Galilee, um, Caesarea, Bethlehem, and then we finally, our last destination was Jerusalem. And so as we were in a van and driving up the steep road, our Muslim driver, beautiful man named Saeed, he turned on this song all about Jerusalem, the great city of God, and cranked it up as loud as that van speaker would go. It about made my ears bleed. And so we rolled up the hill listening to this beautiful, loud song. And he reminded us, as this psalm reminds us, that people have been ascending that hill for thousands of years. And in the ancient times, when there's a big festival, as I'm sure there still happens today, but in the ancient times, they didn't have hands. So you'd walk and you'd pilgrimage for miles and you'd come up over that hill where you could see the city and it was a spectacular sight. There would be shouts of praise and hosannas, even in anticipation of God doing all that God had promised to do through that place and those people. So you'd go down in the valley, and on your way up, you might sing various songs, including these songs, ascension songs of the ascent up the hill. And so people from all over are gathering together as one and singing as one, celebrating their arrival at the place they've been headed, but also celebrating the coming together and oneness. And particularly, this 
psalm is written at a time when Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom they called Israel and the southern kingdom they called Judah. And so this psalm was written as an ascension of everyone coming to Jerusalem located in Judah, but also Israel coming back together and ascending into that place of oneness. And so in the psalm, you're going to hear remnants of the the pleas of 200 years of split and division of the pleas of coming together. And so there's this repetition of downwardness you'll hear as well. And that's the downwardness of the northern kingdom, people coming down to go to Zion and ascend together. Beautiful image. And so they know that coming together is the only way they will experience the true blessing and life of God. So let's hear Psalm 133, and you can close your eyes and imagine this great scene as we hear it read. Look at how good and pleasing it is when families live together as one. It is like expensive oil poured over the head, running down onto the beard, Aaron's beard, which extended over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon streaming down onto the mountains of Zion, because it is there that the Lord has commanded the blessing everlasting life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Zion is another name for Jerusalem, and Aaron was the first priest, so there's an abundance in this image, pouring so much oil in the head that it's just dripping down. Quite an image. Oil carried a scent to it, a smell, so you, the presence of God was known in the scent and the aroma that as you walked around, people could smell it on you and know that Somebody was there that had been anointed. So this is the image we're lifting up today. Today's a hard day. Our reality today is hard, right? Omicron. We all know that wonderful Greek letter that now represents a virus. It's very contagious. It's everywhere. And as I mentioned before, it's affecting a lot of people from the church. There is tension everywhere on top of Omicron. Right? Whether to mask, whether to vaccine, whether to have mandates, protocols, closings, and the struggle of this reality. There's tension about political divides, right? Voting rights for everybody, just some people. Another election season is heating up. Yay. There's tension even in the church, the denomination, about church politics, biblical interpretation understanding of the church doctrine, and the struggle to understand inclusivity. There's struggle in friendships, I imagine, in your lives, or maybe family relationships. If there's disagreement, you don't see things eye to eye. There's misunderstanding about what you think and feel, or you misunderstand what they think and feel. It causes pain, it causes hurt, and it causes separation when we're already feeling isolated. Tension is everywhere. Amen. This weekend, as we remember Dr. King and the civil rights movement, we honor the work that relieves and, and seeks an end to the tension of divide in racism, bigotry, and bias. Of course, there's tension even talking about social justice. I say those words, and some of you might, ugh. Just talking about it means that you have emotions, you have responses. And almost everybody, maybe positive, maybe negative, the reality we face today 
January 16th, 2022, is a hard one. Not just for us in our country, but across the globe. They say that everyone will have Omicron by the end of the month. I've heard a doctor say that. It's that contagious. Hyperbolic way to express that. Now, we can relate to the identity of a broken Israel and Judah, yes? Of this divided group, this people that all comes from one original family but sees themselves two different entities, two different families. So they have a king in each land, two kings, an army up here, an army down here. They have a temple, a temple, and they have convictions concerning who is right and who is wrong. We can identify with this, yes? So how did the kingdoms come together? They didn't stay apart forever. How did they become one? It's a really interesting question. The answer is they didn't on their own. The north, Israel, was crushed and exiled. And then eventually the south was crushed and exiled. And then 70-some years later, as the story is told, some members of those communities came and ascended the mount to Jerusalem once more and looked at the broken walls and the crushed temple, and they knew it needed restoration. And in a way, it was a, a symbol of their own identity as a people, crushed and in need of restoration. So many did come back to Zion. They did rebuild the wall. You can read Nehemiah and read all about the wall. Many worked for the cause of claiming their unity, rebuilding the temple, and becoming one, once more, had their identity as a family ever changed when they were separate? Did they cease becoming descendants of the same family, the same patriarchs? Did something change? Whether they knew it or not, they were a family all along. They lost a sense of their identity. They still belonged to one another. They just didn't know it. Whether whether they could even grasp that or not. We know the prophets, the priests, we know that they knew and they proclaimed and they talked about it all the time. We know that these Psalms sing of this recognized reality that's not realized yet. One day, they had faith. People would come to their senses and snap out of it, wake up and realize, oh yeah, we're one. We belong to each other. Just because we don't agree doesn't mean we don't belong to one another. Jesus knew this. The stories of Jesus is all about him reaching across all the invented divisions and gaps that people created, right? He brought, he brought Jew and Gentiles together. He brought Israelites and Romans together. He brought tax collectors and holy people together. He brought women and men together, young and old. You invented a division and Jesus crossed it. It's what got him killed. He challenged the whole reality, the false reality of false division. Now, his work continued through his resurrection, through the disciples, and the world has been permeated by the new Israel ever since, the united Israel. Here we are. Amen? This doesn't mean that we don't still have plenty of work to do. We do have plenty of work. In our hearts, there is plenty of work to do. So the question is, how do we come together? How can we do this? What took place that allowed the kingdoms to come together so that we can know how to come together? For those of us who have lived a few years, some of us a few more, 
Some here remember a world war. Some here remember the assassination of JFK. Some here remember the civil rights movement, the march to Selma, Bloody Sunday, the murder, the assassination of Dr. King. Some here remember 9-11. For those who don't remember, let those of us who do answer this question. Following those events, was there not unity? Was there not a unity that existed the day after that wasn't there the day before? Was the oneness different? Had it changed? Or did we just wake up to it? We didn't cease to be fellow Americans on September 10th, 2001, did we? We didn't cease to be fellow human beings. We didn't cease to be fellow image bearers for God. We oftentimes rediscover our unity in the midst of tragedy. And it's been the case as a pastor, one of my most unexpected but favorite blessings is to, to do the ministry of funerals. And I know that sounds weird, and it's something I never expected. What I see in funerals is beauty when people who have lost someone either come together, and they haven't been together in a while, or the person that they've lost, the things that bothered them about that person, it seems like they just went away. Or the argument they had oftentimes just doesn't exist anymore. All I hear are good things. Something about the loss has awakened people to the truth that was there all along in the same way that a tragedy does for us. Tragedy helps us see the falsehoods that never belonged in the first place. Is there a reason we can't remember our oneness without a tragedy? How blessed would we be if we could get there without the tragedy? How many tragedies might be avoided all the ones I mentioned were due to divisions that were false. Does a high price have to be paid for us to ascend together as one to God? Maybe. But maybe not in the form of violence or exile, crucifixion, war, murder, or terrorism. Maybe that's not the price that needs to be paid. Maybe the high price each one of us paying with our lives, so to speak. Maybe that's what this pick up your cross language is talking about. Maybe the church is called to be the body of Christ, the Christ went to the cross and died on behalf of the world, to lay our lives down to the world, maybe our calling too, to take the sin and brokenness of injustice upon our shoulders that we might bear them on our cross to even embrace death, and maybe not physical death, not like Dr. King, but perhaps the death of our own falsehoods, the death of our egos. We're one. The death of our patriotism. We're one. The death of our pride, the death of our privilege, the death of our need to be right such a heavy burden to need to be right, isn't it? You ever get worn out trying to prove you're right, trying to convince yourself and others that you're right? What if you didn't have to do that? What if it didn't matter? What if someone cut you off in traffic and you have to make sure they know they did a wrong? What if you just let it go? How much lighter would life be if you only needed to be validated by God? 
where you can live free of the world's approval, where you can look beyond the false divisions and the worldviews you've been handed to see the oneness. So you step out of the world's view and you step into God's view. How light would it be? Imagine if the church were to live into this first and we were the best at it. And if the world were to watch us and see the peace and joy that this kind of peace in our lives. What if we began the ascent to this blessed reality? Do you know people who have ascended to this blessed reality who don't need to be right? The kind of people who have peace that you just want. We all know somebody. We want to be like them because that beauty is attractive. And we want to be a part of it as the world will want to be a part of what we do if we lived like this. What if we followed in the footsteps of Dr. King? What if we sang today and lived today as if that great day to come that's promised and assured is true and already arriving now? We could change our worlds. We could change the worlds of people around us through conversation through responding with love and gentleness when a joke is told that shouldn't be told, when a comment is made that shouldn't be made, when an opinion is given that isn't right, it isn't true, when there is people feeding the tension. What if we bore our cross and offered peace and truth instead? The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to truth, and through us opens the eyes of others. The Holy Spirit leads us in reality of oneness, the everlasting life of one, and through us, the world as well. We need only submit ourselves and ascend. Amen? Amen. I'll take a moment, and then we'll read a litany. You can find that in your bulletin. And although realizing during first service the irony of talking about oneness and then dividing you up for the litany, I'm going to have Mark read the red, and I will have, uh, let's say, yeah, we'll have the, uh, let's say anyone born, your birth month is July through December, you're going to read red, okay? We're not just going to do left because it's vastly outnumbered left to right here. So July to December, raise your hand, you'll read with Mark. January to June, you'll read with me in the blue. So let us take a moment and read a litany together. We remember the conviction of Martin Luther King Jr. that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Therefore, let us pray for courage and determination by those who are oppressed. Now let us pray silently in response. We remember Martin's warning that a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, is less than a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Therefore, let us pray that those who work for peace in our world may cry out first for justice. 
We remember Martin's insight that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Therefore, let us pray that we may see nothing in isolation, but may know ourselves bound to one another and to all people under heaven. We remember Martin's lament that the contemporary church is often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. Therefore, let us pray that neither this congregation nor any congregation of Christ's people may be silent in the face of wrong, but that we may be disturbers of the status quo when that is God's call to us. We remember Martin's hope that dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of misunderstanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. And in some not too distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. Therefore, in faith, let us commend ourselves and our work for justice to the goodness of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 